0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, today our show is about medical privacy. Basically, we're going to be talking about cancer. And people get scared when they hear the word cancer. But thank goodness, with all of the technology and all of the new medical improvements, it is treatable and beatable. And we are going to be speaking with the author of a great new book called Treatable and Beatable Healing Cancer Without Surgery. And this is by Carolyn Gross. It is a fantastic book. And I think all of us are going to be touched by cancer, whether it's us, which I hopefully can avoid or it's going to be friends or family or someone that we know that we're close to. And in my own life, I have one of a very dear friend that just had cancer surgery. I just found out today, one of my clients, her little daughter five years old. They just found out she has a terrible form of cancer herself. Even my dog had it, and we've had him had surgery, and thank God he's still around. So this is something that touches many of us, but it's kind of a private thing that we talk about mostly with our friends and family. And I think it's really important that we read books like Carolyn Gross's Treatable and Beatable and that we also really open this up so people can understand that this is something that we need to be transparent about and we need to find solutions. So let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful author. Carolyn Gross is a cancer thriver. You noticed I didn't say survivor. She is a thriver. She's also an award-winning international speaker, facilitator, wellness expert, and holistic health coach. For more than two decades, she has facilitated wellness retreats at top-rated spas and worked as a craniosacral therapist. She's the past president of the National Speakers Association in San Diego, and she's the author of two books. One is Staying Calm in the Midst of Chaos, How to Keep Positive in an Unsettled World, and then, of course, her new book, Treatable and Beatable, Healing Cancer Without Surgery. She is a determined woman. You're going to hear her. She's a fantastic speaker. She's going to share great news with you. There's a lot more about her on our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy, where you can see her picture and you can link to her website, treatableandbeatablecancer.com, and we'll find out much more about her. But I want to welcome her, and just you're going to enjoy this interview. It's great. Okay, hi there, Carolyn.
2: Hi, Mari. It's a privilege to be
1: on your show today. Well, it's really fun to have you, too. And I have your book right in front of me. It's, be, it's beautiful. By the way, I really like this, uh, this painting on there. It's, it's very soothing and calming and beautiful and, and lively at the same time. So I, I guess that's part of being, you know, healing cancer without surgery, being treatable and beatable and, and being a thriver. It sounds like you really are a thriver.
2: Well, and thank you so much for that compliment. I actually did want original artwork on the book because I knew with cancer, some days you feel like reading and some days you don't.
1: Exactly. So tell us about what inspired you to write your book, Treatable and Beatable.
2: Well, you know, when I was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer in 2003, After touring that first book that you were just mentioning, with the events of September 11th, staying calm in the midst of chaos turned out to be a popular topic. Yes. So I was able to go to 24 different states and do all these book signings as, you know, privileged to be able to do that, quite honestly. And this is when I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So the reason I wrote Treatable and Beatable was I was given this book by the surgeon's office, quite honestly, before I had my last appointment to determine what my treatment plan would be. And, you know, I'm kind of a positive go-to kind of girl. And even in the midst of being diagnosed, I stayed so positive, like I couldn't possibly have cancer. I've just done, you know, a 24-city book tour, you know? Right. No, no- Nobody could possibly be doing that with cancer. So when I was about to be diagnosed, and they handed me this book a couple days before I'd meet with the surgeon, in like 50 pages, I thought I was going to die.
1: Oh, scared you to death.
2: Absolutely. And so the first thing I thought, just being diagnosed, was there has to be something out there that the minute people are diagnosed, that they have hope and i call that the treatable and beatable mindset right so i kind of wrote that book i wrote the book because i was mad at what was given to me at the time that i was already getting you know not the best news in town right
1: exactly <laughs>
2: i mean let me give you an example just so you you see why the passion was there it's it like by page 40 they're like well about 50% of the husbands leave <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness
1: yeah, talk about negative news, right?
2: So anyway, I'm like, first of all, I'm I'm gonna beat this, second of all, my husband's staying, third of all, I'm gonna have a better life after cancer than before. I'm just that kind of a person.
1: Isn't it interesting how the universe brings those people who have the ability and have the motivation to get these challenges so that they can help other people. It's 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 almost like spiritually, some God chose you because He knew you were going to write this book.
2: well, it, for whatever the reason I really was determined at the beginning, as a matter of fact, the first thing I thought is if I'm being diagnosed with cancer in the middle of my dream because you would know with your elaborate and illustrious career, if you have a dream to write a book, if you have a dream to be any kind of expert or motivational speaker. If you have that privilege to have that dream come true, well, you're thrilled to bits. Yes. So here I am in the middle of my dream coming true, being diagnosed with stage three cancer. I mean, I knew that I was serving people and helping in the world. So the way that I put it to myself was, oh, my gosh. Cancer has got to be the great motivator for me because I've just done a 24 yeah. city book tour, and I've had cancer the whole time, which, of course, was true. I'd actually had cancer for three years.
1: And you had no idea. Yeah, yes. no idea. So in your book, you, you say that recently diagnosed patients and their families need to claim their power. It sounds like you claimed your power, but tell us more about that.
2: Well, you know, that's probably the heart of my uh, work is that, there's such a powerless feeling when you're told you have cancer. And you can even parlay that to any disease that you don't want. Right. You know, who even wants any disease? Yeah, exactly. But but particularly one like, you know, that has a stigma to it or a possible life or death threat in there. So the reason that I started with Claim Your Power was I believe that I'm alive today and thriving today today Because when I did finally go to the surgeon's office where they'd given me that dismal book, and he looked at me with his chart wide open and said, oh, my God, you know, you should have been on our table two years ago. This is advanced stage cancer, and you have no option but a complete mastectomy. First, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I get annual mammograms. If if I wasn't here two years ago, it's because you didn't tell me I didn't have a problem. But the way that it was put to me felt so threatening. And also I was told I had to have full courses of chemotherapy and radiation, and his final sentence got me the most. (laughs) And at that, there are no guarantees. (laughs) Right. So first you're going to, excuse me, but you're going to slash poison and burn, and then you're going to tell me, gee, there's no guarantees.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all gloom and doom.
2: It was all gloom and doom, yes. Now, I have to tell you, because I have made this cancer and, and the immune system and claiming your power and the treatable, immutable mindset my area of research these last seven years, and I'm talking about full-time and passionately, I have to tell you, I've heard of so many stories that didn't go like this. I've heard of so many women that are like, oh, it's a 90 percent, we'll get it all. I mean, it, where almost – I've heard people told that it was 100 percent that they'd be – fine. Uh, I'm like, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I get the doom and gloom guy? Exactly. But it made me claim my power. Yes. So that's the whole point of the claim your power is we don't know what we're going to be told in some of these health crises. Right. But if we sit there feeling like a victim and for me and, oh, how could it, why me? I mean, there's even an organization called Why Me, so you know that's a common theme. Right. But if we go to that place, we're not empowered. And I really advocate to cancer patients and their families be part of the team. Yes. Be part of the decision-making. Give that doctor and medical professional all the medical professionals, give them feedback on what they're saying to you because you're flesh. You're living and breathing and you're having a visceral or emotional response. So claim your power and tell them what that is.
1: I remember years ago, Carolyn, that I read books by Love Medicine and Miracles and doctors like Bernie Siegel. It's interesting. He was a cancer surgeon. Oh gosh. I mean, he, I think he's retired now and still writing books. One of my girlfriends lived right by Yale where he was teaching and she had surgery by him. Uh And she said he was wonderful. And if, if anybody listening to the show hasn't read anything by Dr. Bernie Siegel, he is a physician and he is very, very spiritual and he is very, very positive. And you might want to also, along with reading Carolyn's books, is you want to look at, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, Peace, Love, and Healing, and his other books because they talk about the importance of the mindset in healing cancer. Absolutely. Yeah. So what kind of treatment option did your doctors recommend? They said you had to have what you were talking about, radiation, chemotherapy, what
2: else? Well, the, the very first thing that happened after the doctor told me no option but a complete mastectomy. Um, was I went home and I did what I I claim every woman does. But I went home, took off my top, looked in the mirror at my girls and tried to imagine what it would look like without one. Or some people are like, well, if you're going to take the one, take the other one. And just as I did that, as I went through that exercise, all of a sudden I heard in my mind, it's not time to lose your breath. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, well, uh, so far, I've been given no other option, you know, but this, right? But I heard this inside of myself, and my background as a cranial sacral therapist is that I worked with a lot of cases, head, neck, and spine, and again, this is more alternative holistic health. And over my thirteen years in private practice, I would have clients with t m j and and disc situations where A lot of times they'd be in pain, and doctors would say, well, now if we scrape the jawbone or if we fuse the discs, and they would come to me, and at the end of their treatment, I would say to them, make surgery your last resort. Yes. It could be a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yes. So when I was diagnosed, if you will, all of a sudden, I've stepped up to the plate now. It's like, are you going to have the nerve stage 3 breast cancer to make surgery your last resort and then are you going to further have the nerve or we just talked about claiming your power are you going to be able to claim your power and call cancer a temporary problem
1: yes and it's so important that people don't listen to the first doctor that they get second third and fourth opinions because You know, doctors, especially I think they're the older doctors I worry about, unless they're really keeping up with things, I think it's really important to get doctors who have a lot of experience and speak with several of them and ask them what they think should happen. And going on the Internet, right now there are fabulous websites that you can read up. I mean, you can do the research right from your own computer. And so that's so much better than it was maybe – 15 years ago or, or even 10 years ago, and, and maybe even, it's, it's probably even better now than it was when you first started researching, right?
2: Oh, of course. I mean, it, it's really nice to see, as a matter of fact, at, at the improvements there are now in chemotherapy and radiation. Yes. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So I'm excited that we've got that. I'm just hoping we'll also get into some of the treatment protocols that I had and have those as options in our country.
1: Yes. Now you have a, a wonderful forward to your book by Dr. Geronimo Rubio. Why don't you tell us about him?
2: Well, Dr. Rubio started to research right when he came out of medical school. He kind of queried why when it came to the disease of cancer, that we didn't use the immune system to heal or reverse the cancer. Whereas when we have colds and flus and even, you know, when we pick up bacteria and viruses and all those lovely, ucky things, we go to what? The immune system. Whereas in cancer treatment, especially even surgery is a compromise to the body because it's a trauma. Exactly. So it's going to compromise the body. Maybe it's only temporary, but it's still going to compromise the body. Although going back now years and years, 10 years ago or whatever, chemotherapies definitely compromised the immune system.
1: No question about it.
2: No question about it. So he, he started out, now we go back even farther, 25 years ago, and he said, gee, I wonder if there's a way. I wonder if there's a way to educate the immune system to reverse cancer since we've skilled, we're skillful in this in so many other disease situations. And he found success. And he found success with customized cancer vaccines, which are called immunotherapy. In other words, you're doing the therapy on the immune system. And we do have this in the United States. Do not get me wrong that this is not like the new kid on the block when it comes to cancer. The only situation is seven years ago, I couldn't get a a cancer vaccine or immunotherapy By my medical providers, which I have great medical insurance, couldn't get it because they were only offering it after the fact. In other words, after we've done the surgery and given you those treatments that we told you about, chemotherapy and radiation, then once you're cancer-free, we'll give you immunotherapy. Well,
1: that's so ridiculous that they are deciding what adverse to what your doctor is recommending.
2: So, again, that gets back, doesn't it, to claim your power? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, I decided to start. I decided to do that little make surgery your last resort and just take it like it's not time to lose my breast. By the way, we're down the road now seven years. It's still not time to lose my breast. Thank God. And and that is complete, complete remission. No metastasis, no cancer anywhere else. I'm cancer free seven years.
1: Oh, wonderful.
2: And I did not cut the cancer out. So... Again, all I want my story to illustrate, hopefully, is that if you're in alignment with your treatment plan, you're probably going to heal. And what that means, Mari, is I don't I don't tell people to have surgery or not have surgery. I tell them listen to your body.
1: Exactly. Get in yeah. touch with your intuition. Yeah. Just read a book by Deepak Chopra, who's also a physician, and he's you know a holistic physician. Completely. Um, and he the name of the book is the book of secrets but he there was a section in there about that he was talking about cancer and he was talking about how every cell of our body when it's healthy collaborates with each other they they're not jealous of each other <laughs> they're not <laughs> selfish they just they take care of each other they communicate effectively with yep. each other just kind of an interesting way and he said cancer cells don't do that nope. they don't want to collaborate they're greedy. And yeah, yeah, they're greedy. They're selfish, and they don't want to collaborate. So I thought, how interesting would that be to be sitting down and meditating and talking to those cells? Because every when you talk to yourself, you are everything is listening inside your body. How interesting that would be in along with the immune therapy is to have the body, mind, spirit to be telling those cells come on come on you can collaborate and i thought as a mediator as an attorney mediator i sh- i should be talking to my cells if i were if i had that that situation to tell them hey let's collaborate again and see well, if that could be done instead of like the old way of thinking kill those cells you know where you see yourself fighting those cells which is stress inducing instead of saying hey come on guys join the party
2: i love it oh God, that's brilliant. It, there's actually something called psychoneuroimmunology, and it's, it's part of the treatable and beatable mindset. And what it, what it is, though, this is scientific now, psychoneuroimmunology. Psycho is the mind, neuro is the nervous system, central nervous system immunology is using your mind to activate the central nervous and immune system to heal. Right. And the whole idea that you've just said about collaboration – Honestly, that's at a high level, my friend, because normally in psychoneuroimmunology, and this is used at cancer centers all over the country, right. they will tell people you know, when you're getting your chemo or when you're getting certain treatments, visualize the immune system, the front line of the immune system, the macrophage, chewing up and destroying, but it's always in, a, in like an army term. Yeah, you know, and, like, and it's
1: negative. And it is.
2: That's, I love this. I love what you're saying about collaborating. You're just kind of bringing them into the
1: fold and say, hey, you know what? Join the gang here. Be cooperative. (laughs) Be collaborative. Do what you're supposed to do. Remember what you're supposed to do. Right. And uh, so that's what I was thinking of because I just finished that book and I was thinking all about that after I'd read your book. I thought this is kind of a neat way to think about it. And I remember reading Bernie Siegel's books throughout the years. You know, when I had friends that had cancer and I and I would read the book, and then i give the book away so many times, and I thought, this is the way to think about it. Think about it as something very positive, or there's a lesson to learn from everything that happens to us in life, and there's even lessons in those things that, that are very, very challenging, like like having some illness like cancer. It, it's a challenge, but it is a chance and an opportunity for growth, and my goodness, look at the great growth that you have had in experiencing cancer and what it has led you to as a as an empowered woman, as a powerful person, to to write Treatable and Beatable. So we're speaking with Carolyn Gross, who happens to be the author of Treatable and Beatable, Healing Cancer Without Surgery. And you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. And you're listening to Privacy Piracy. I'm Mari Frank. Now, a lot of the times that you've been listening to our show, you hear everything about things such as Information privacy and, and medical privacy and healthcare. we've talked about that. We've also talked about financial privacy and surveillance and workplace privacy and all the different aspects, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, all these different aspects of privacy. And when we're talking about privacy, when we're talking about information privacy, we talk about the right to have control over information about you. We've also talked about privacy as the right to be left alone. And in this case, we're, we are kind of talking about both of those, the right to have choices to make about your own body, right? Absolutely. So you talk in your book about the seven discernment strategies. So can you tell us what are the seven discernment strategies that you recommend to help activate that power that you have?
2: Absolutely. Well. We've already alluded a little bit to a couple of them. The first one, of course, is to listen to your body. So when you have a reaction to a treatment protocol that doctors are suggesting, and I mean, you even kind of just shudder hearing about it, the first thing you want to do is, I mean, listen to your body, make a mental note, because obviously that isn't feeling good to you. So you've got to listen to your body because where you want to go, the second discernment is raising your hope vibration. In other words, hope and healing go together, but a lot of times I notice there's a lot of fear that's given along with a cancer diagnosis. I mean, just like I was told, you should have been on my table two years ago. Well, that's not a very pleasant thought, I don't think. Didn't raise my hope vibration. So just raising your hope and also realizing that hope – has a vibration quite a bit different than fear. (laughs) Okay? Yes. Most people can figure that out because when they're feeling hopeful, kind of happy, fearful, kind of misery.
1: You know, I I always love the expression that fear is the acronym, you know, F-E-A-R. F stands for false, E stands for expectation, A stands for appearing, and R stands for real. So it's Fear is a false expectation appearing real because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So being fearful is is really a false thought. So that's why you want to replace it like you talk about, to replace it with hope because in many ways we create our reality. If we think things are good, they're good. If we think things are bad, they're bad.
2: Absolutely. And that's how it goes in this game. And again, the one thing you want to know is that fear, that like gut kind of fear, yes. fear in your gut, that right. can be a signal like not a good way to go. So I love the mindset you're talking about because I want to eradicate the idea of fear and cancer completely. That's a treatable and beatable mindset. But I have to also know that if I have apprehension or anxiety viscerally again in my gut, then that's a sign too. Don't go down that street. That's actually one of my last... Uh, ideas of discernment let's lead right into it though it's like watching the signs of life if i'm not feeling confident then that's not the road to go down
1: yes and i love what you're saying carolyn about gut because when you're fearful in your head that's very different than fearful in your gut absolutely and and i remember many years ago, reading a book called The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker. I don't know if you ever read that book, but it was about when you have, like you get into an elevator and, and you have this horrible fear in your gut, not in your head, but in your gut, right. like something feels bad. He says, get out of that elevator because yeah. it's probably somebody who's going to do something bad to you. You have to be able to discern between the fear in your head that just is, just paranoia versus the fear that you feel in your gut, which is your true intuitive fear. So I think
0: it's a
2: it, warning sign. Yes. It's a yes. Warning sign. Exactly. Exactly. And, and another uh, step of discernment is we have to ask, we have to be able to ask to discern, you know, ask, can you explain to me how this treatment works versus another treatment? Can you tell me a little bit about this doctor? So When you're making an important choice, as we do with cancer treatment or anything that's life-affecting when we are diagnosed with any disease, you've got to have the power of asking in order to discern. And the idea there is don't be a bobblehead doll.
1: Yes. And to to do your research, and, you know, I I had to have some surgery. I had a bad fall, and I, I had to have some surgery. So before the surgery, I went online, and I looked, like, what kinds of questions should I be asking this doctor? And boy, they're out there. I mean, it's amazing on these blogs. You know, make sure you ask your doctor this question. Make sure you ask that. So I I had a huge list of questions when I went into the doctor, and then I could... I mean, he kind of looked at me like, "Uh uh-oh, this lawyer. But on the other hand, I was, you know, very gentle about it. I said, I just really want to understand this treatment. I want to understand what you're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. So you can make up those questions and bring them with you and just say, that'll just help me understand the situation so that you don't have to, Think, oh, my gosh, I have to remember all these questions. Just write them down.
2: But you know what I do notice is that, and this kind of goes along with discerning when you find that right medical team and that right medical treatment, is you can feel within yourself that you found a system of support. Right. And you can feel your hope, if you will, vibration raising. And at that point, if I had that on my first doctor I don't think I'd mess around with a whole lot more legwork because it's almost like a click finding a dance partner, but it's a healing partner or finding yes. a, a mate. It's like that click. And when that click happens, I kind of go with it, you know. Um, so that's another thing I would tell you. Like, I don't necessarily tell people to go out and get three second opinions. I say go until you know. <laughs> yeah. One can you know, know, I, I just then, know
1: for me that I would get three opinions, well, just I no know, matter and, what. And that
2: happens with a lot of us, but again, it's just it's just almost saving time. Is what yeah, I try yeah, to do.
1: especially if you're in a rush. I mean, yeah. if there's something, yeah, and I know what that is. If you feel right, and you've asked around, and you've talked to people who have used that physician, and you feel good about the services, and you looked at you know you've talked to the people in the office, and they're warm and supportive and being positive about everything you know you're going to have this healing team that makes sense to me too.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, so there's a couple different ways to go about. It. And then the last, you know the last discernment is once you find where you want to go focus your mind to stay the course. So in my case I chose to heal breast cancer without surgery. I had to focus my mind to believe in my treatment, and of course, that meant believe in my immune system, which goes back to that psychoneuroimmunology. But I had to focus my mind to stay the course because honestly, seven years ago, there weren't that many women. Of course, I've met several since, but that many women that were going the non surgical way. Right. And so I had to focus my mind to stay the co- course. And I had to watch for those signs of life. I had to find the systems of support. But the other discernment and power of discernment is that power of belief. Yes. And once you're locked in, here's the thing. Something told me that the surgery was going to weaken me potentially permanently. Something told me that, you know. That was was back
1: to your gut again, right? There
2: it is. And so that was my belief. Now, another person... And believe me, I've, I've had these people. I mean, my, my webmaster for treatable and beatable, you know, his, his life partner had surgery. And for her, it was like, get that cancer out now. It right. was the best decision. Right. She had that breast taken off like lickety split. It was the best decision. So that's, again, that treatable and beatable mindset. Believe in your treatment. Believe in your power. Right
1: and what's good for me might not be good for someone else. Absolutely. And and so that's what you're talking about getting in touch with your own intuition. What is the best thing for you personally?
2: And then stay the course. Don't ever have surgery and then regret it. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Cuz regret doesn't keep you healthy.
1: No. No. You <laughs> kind of like have resentment,
2: to, you know. Right. You
1: have to go within and figure out what's best with you and you know you can listen to what people say but Really and truly, you have to know in your own heart and in your own gut what is the right thing for you. That's right. We're speaking with Carolyn Gross, who is the author of this wonderful book called Treatable and Beatable, Healing Cancer Without Surgery. And she is a real go-getter. She is a healer herself, actually. Um, She is a cancer Thriver, I didn't say survivor, I said thriver, which is even much more powerful. She's an award winning international speaker, facilitator, wellness expert, holistic health coach, and for more than two decades, she's facilitated wellness treat retreats at top rated spas and worked as a cranial sacral therapist. For for my audience that doesn't know what that is, why don't you explain what you mean by cranial sacral
2: therapist? I'd be um, cranial sacral therapy is head, neck, spine, and it's actually a form of alignment and healing to those areas that, le- let's say, um, when somebody has stress in their joints or in their neck area, low back, okay, and they go to the chiropractor and it relieves it temporarily, but it doesn't completely relieve it. And also, when I say head, neck, and spine, we're talking about not just the bones, but even eye and vision problems, headaches. So cranial sacral therapy is kind of like osteopathy, only it's vibrational medicine. And they figured out a protocol to help ease the tension in the cranial sacral system, and that's a fluid that nourishes the whole central nervous system. And when that's open... And when it's not bunched up or tightened up or twisted up, you know how, like, our necks can get knots in it and all that? Right. When that's opened up, we activate we activate our own self-healing. Yes. So it's brilliant. It's brilliant work, again, for specific cases. Some people want to be kneaded hard, and some people want to hear those bones crack, you know, because then they're like, you did something. But cranial sacral uh, therapy is much more of an energy but deep deep, 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 relaxing. Yes.
1: And so in in terms of, did you have someone that was able to do that on you during your healing time as well?
2: Oh, God. That's such a great question. Let's answer it this way. Not enough. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had plenty of massage, but not enough of that. So that's a brilliant question.
1: You know, um, I've had two dogs with cancer, two golden retrievers, and my... And, and they're obviously my best children because they never talk back. They never ask for money or anything. But um my, my golden that I, before the one I have now, Eros, God of Love, um, he got lymphosarcoma at age eight. And we started with chemo, but in my gut, I felt that this wasn't right. Okay. I felt that it wasn't good for him. I could see how sick he got. And I decided... Um, He went into remission right away because lymphosarcoma is very fast-growing, but it also reacts very quickly to to chemo. Yay. And so I had a friend of mine who is a Reiki master. If you know what Reiki is, it's an energy healing. And I had him come over, and he's very, very powerful. He just touches you, and you just feel this energy just soaring through your body. And he came, and um, he did Reiki on, on Eros, and then I had taken classes with him. So I continued to do it. And he lived, Eros never got it back. Wow. And he lived to be 13 years old, which Very is pretty good. good for a golden. And he never got it back. And my vet had called him the miracle dog. And that was with energy healing and just talking to him and saying, you know, every every cell of your body is healing and smiling and all this good stuff. Then this, uh, my present Rado our present dog um about a year and a half ago got cancer a, a very bad hemangiosarcoma blood cancer and the prognosis was terrible and and he they said you have to do chemo and I didn't feel good about it but I said okay a little bit I'll do he couldn't take it at all it was killing his kidney and his um and his liver And I said, I'm stopping it right now. I'm going to do alternative medicine because I would rather have him live out the rest of his days and not be so sick than have to suffer like this. Absolutely. And so that's what I decided to do. And, of course, the Reiki came into it and all these holistic supplements and just telling him he was healing and lots and lots of Reiki. And now they call him the Miracle Dog. In fact, the, the <laughs> oncologist for this dog, just, uh, we just talked to her again, and she said, I can't believe how great he's doing. What is your protocol? I want to use this because all the other dogs that she's had that have, have gotten this have died. Oh, my. Yes, they've all died in just a couple months. And it's for him, He uh, he got it early July 2009. So this is a long time, thank oh God, that he God. has survived and thrived. And he is thriving. People think, oh, my gosh, he doesn't even look like he's, you know, nine years old. He doesn't look like it at all. He, you know, um, you know, has a little gray around the face, which I could use some color on it. But (laughs) like I do with my hair, but I haven't done that. But um, I think for those of you who are listening, you know, reading Carolyn Gross's book, Treatable and Beatable, and she talks about the mindset and the hope and I think it, is, it was so obvious to me just with my, my two dogs and doing that kind of healing energy and, and talking about how you're a healthy dog. I mean, my poor dog had to listen to me sing. You are a healing dog. Yes, you Yay. are. I mean, wow, I mean, I'm you. sure he got healthy just so he didn't have to hear me sing this anymore.
2: <laughs> my- but can I add something to that? Because I tell this to patients all the time is we need to touch our bodies when we're going through these treatments. I, I, of course, was, you know, I would cradle and kind of hold on to my breast as I would fall asleep at night, and I would send healing energy from my hand into that area of my body. I will say this all the time with people that have liver or lung cancer. Put your hands on that liver area and just send it the vibration of love and healing, and I will, you know, hold my two hands up when I'm talking to patients and go. Do you realize that this is how our civilization even got to be a modern civilization? Was the power of the human touch and healing? One yes, another? yes, and ourselves. Yes, and we. Uh, c- yeah,
1: I mean, I I am a hundred percent with you, and this isn't mumbo jumbo. When you read many of the holistic physicians who are, you know, medical school graduates that believe in this, you know, things like, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Ch- Deepak Chopra and so many others that are out there who are physicians that are enlightened and see that you have to treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. And that's what's going to heal all of us.
2: Absolutely. And there's also a lot of supplements and products out there today, quality products that help with the immune system, help build and activate the immune system. There's minerals, there's vitamins, there's formulas that help you utilize oxygen better in your body. And you need all these things for healing. You know, people don't realize sometimes when they look at the cancer epidemic, they're like, how did this happen? And it's like, okay, let's think. We've got soils that are depleted on the earth. We have air that's polluted we have chemicals in a lot of our food sources and even you know for people that eat meat you know the, the whole antibiotic thing and so if you're not eating as clean ad- do you know what i mean yeah so now you're and then uh, we're ingesting the this we stuff
1: <laughs> we're ingesting this stuff in our in our you know in our breath and in our stomachs it, yeah it's it's all around us so we have to do things to to immunize ourselves like what you're talking about now, you also talk in your book about the practice of medicine in the United States complicated by doctors who are scared of attorneys, okay, and they're scared of litigation. And, you know, how do you think that this has really affected our health care?
2: Well, I think it's part of the reason that um, I think, first of all, because I've worked side-by-side side now with doctors and nurses as a patient advocate, I have this tremendous respect for the medical profession, please. Please hear me that these people literally, they know they're working with life and death. They feel the pressure of it. But I think the thing that's sad is once we got into, you know, all this malpractice stuff years ago is we put fear into the doctors. And just like we said a minute ago earlier in the show that you can't heal cancer if you have this fearful mindset, will now be the practitioner who needs to be this open channel of their wisdom and information and their education and put a big fear cloud over them. Right. That's pretty tough. I'll tell you why I wrote about that in my book. It's because that the minute that I was diagnosed, I had this great GP, general practitioner. Not everybody has them because of maybe how their healthcare is set up and it's all specialized but my gp who i adored was closing up shop in california the the week i was diagnosed because he was going to go and set up his practice in los you know in nevada because it would be more economical and it was malpractice insurance that made that the determining factor i was like oh no
1: yeah yep
2: so this is why you know some of us i think because i do work by doctors now, I have to say this as well, if you'll allow it. I think we need to claim our power and I think we need to be educated, but I don't think we need to be nasty and arrogant when we do it.
1: I I agree with you. I I do agree with you on that. And I think that there are cases that that really should go when they cut off the wrong leg, <laughs> you know, or when, when there Please, is, an, of course. obviously there is. And I, I think people love to attack attorneys, but when they have a problem then they want an attorney. So I have to tell you that, you know, I, I don't think that we should make it so exorbitant. I have a very good friend who was an internist for many, 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 many years, a fabulous internist. And, um, he took a sabbatical after just, you know, so many years of working, you know, 80 hours a week. And, um, and then when he came back, he was just going to come back part time, but his malpractice insurance was so high that he actually retired. He actually retired and got into real estate. So I can understand that. And I don't think you need to be nasty, but on the other hand, I think there's a lot of arrogant doctors. And I have to tell you, my first husband, I put him through medical school, married to him 18 years. And I know what that profession can be like. They're yeah. not all like, you know, your, your wonderful doctor, who, um, you know, M- Dr. Rubio or Dr. Uh, Deepak Chopra or Bernie Siegel. They're not all like that. And I think that people have to be accountable. So I'm kind of in between. I think, yes, we don't have to be nasty, but they, they don't have to be arrogant either. Yeah
2: again see when you find that right combination of a doctor who's author you know has the authority and has the knowledge but isn't being too heavy-handed or arrogant uh, that's my whole idea is be part of the the medical team there's one thing i did during my treatment, I still had cancer, and he had me on a hormone blocker. For the breast cancer people in your audience, they'll understand this. I'm on this hormone blocker for six months, and I'm li- literally, my youth is escaping my body. Um,
1: yeah. You know,
2: here, I've avoided so much in my cancer treatment in terms of really devastating physical side effects. But all of a sudden, with that hormone blocker, i have just, like, losing my youth, and my joints feel like I'm 65, and I'm oh, 45, you know? Yeah, and yeah. the next thing I know, I just walked into him, and I, I don't know how I was able to isolate it exactly, but because of being a cranial sacral therapist, I have good proprioceptic skills. And so I said to him, it's that hormone blocker, and he goes, okay, we'll t- slowly take you off of it. And do an alternative hormone blocker and I was lucky because most people are on that medication for five years and you look at a lot of women after breast cancer again I I can't speak for all cancers as a patient because I thank you God only had one but a lot of them are a little bit heavier and it's that medication you know Mm. so That's that. Do some research and then be part of the medical team. And like I said, I'm still here, and a lot of people wouldn't even believe that.
1: Exactly. Now, you were mentioning before that cancer patients can detoxify their body. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, it's so important, and it's really important no matter what the treatment. No matter what the treatment, cancer causes a toxic condition in the body, number one. Cancer dying off creates more toxins in the body number two number three we probably got the cancer in the first place because of remember we were saying toxins in the air and the food and all this other stuff so as far as I'm concerned the key to anti-aging and the key to long-term health um, is and a cancer-free lifestyle as I like to call it is cleansing organs of elimination which are colon lungs skin these are the major areas that we are eliminating from. We sweat, right? That's right. us getting the toxins out that way. Colon, that's kind of an obvious, getting rid of. Now, um, are you talking liver. about
1: um, the, the pills that you take to, to cleanse? Are you talking about colonics? What are you talking about for cleaning the colon? Because, you know, everybody is worried about colon cancer or they're aware of it. So well, what are you suggesting? Well,
2: is a, is a um, supplement that has now come out to be very big in the cancer community in terms of detoxifying met- metals from the body.
1: Did you say that's the nice thing via... that we're
2: exposed to quite a bit. Uh-huh. And on my website, Treatable and Beatable, you'll see one of my sponsors, which does these fabulous herbal formulas for building the immune system. They're called Ambiagold Gold is the company, Ambiagold.com. But the reason that I will mention a, a, a company like that is when somebody does formulas specifically for giving you more minerals, like we said, we're lacking that in our diet, right. and also for cleansing the body and having things like zeolite, I love advocating that. Let's not make the work too hard for people. Right, Fasting's important. If you are starting to feel like, I don't have a lot of energy and I'm just feeling kind of not right, take a day and just have juices, maybe, maybe a little bit of sooth. But let those organs of elimination have a rest because they can't get rid of toxins and digest food and make it all absorbed at the same time, effectively, 24-7, 365.
1: Right. How often do you suggest fasting?
2: Well, I, I try to do, now this again would be somebody that's just had treatment. Yes. And I would do one day a week or one day a month.
1: To get those, any chemicals out of their body that yeah. were, and yeah.
2: I think I probably was closer to one day a month, but I still, sometimes I would do two days a month. When I was building my health back when the cancer was gone, that was huge. We already talked about massage. Here's my favorite, hot baths. Mm-hmm. And I even have a bath recipe. It's in the book, but I want right. to give it to your listeners. Okay.
1: It's, well, they should go and get the book too.
2: <laughs> well, both, but you know. <laughs> sure. Dead Sea Salts. Yes. Like a cup of dead sea salt. I like, I like heavier salt, but three-quarters to a cup of dead sea salt. Add to that a tablespoon of ginger. I'm talking about the kind you bake with, powdered ginger. Right. You can get it at the health food store in the bulk bins. And then a teaspoon of uh-huh. baking soda, okay, neutralizer. Put, mix those up together. And by the way, ginger is antiseptic. It's energizing. It's a lot of things and
1: it's good for digestion
2: it's good for digestion in this bath particularly during cold and flu season you know as a speaker we travel right right i never got on an airplane where i didn't end in my final destination with a bath after i got off the airplane so that whatever i picked up in the environment of the plane and the travel i got rid of it so i didn't go to sleep with any of that stuff on me Be fresh for the next day's work. So, again, if you're around somebody that's got a cold, go take that. I call it the ginger sea salt bath, and you'll feel better. Right. By the way, that bath, I took that bath every day of my treatment.
1: Thank God, huh? Look at how well it worked. Now, how about things that we should avoid? Foods.
2: Okay. uh, Foods we should avoid. It starts with sugar. Sugar feeds cancer. Okay, and that's sometimes the hardest one, because people are like, "Oh, I gotta have my bowl of ice cream or my frozen yogurt or whatever they're filling the blank, whatever their little treat is. Now, all I'm saying is you just don't want to have sugar every day for goodness' sakes, if you're right if you're in the battle with cancer, you want zero sugar. I mean just do your best, you can have fruit, right, but just don't have any regular sugar, and of course, some people are like. Okay, well then, I mean, so stevia is an option. Let's throw that in there. Absolutely no chemicals. So that means none of the artificial sweetener stuff. Oh, my God, that's even worse than sugar. Right. So we don't want that. We don't want barbecued foods. Char broiling is a, is a carcinogen. Most people know that. You've got to be careful of plastics. I do not drink my water out of a plastic bottle anymore. I only drink out of stainless steel. I absolutely believe once you start drinking your water out of stainless steel, you'll be able to taste the plastic leaching into the water, especially if you leave your water bottle in the car, even for oh, an hour in the sun living in Southern California. So we've got to be careful of plastics. You don't want to microwave. It's just one of those kind of lists. Right. Be careful with plastics. Do not microwave in plastic. Try not to microwave at all. Here's another one. Cook with stainless steel.
1: Oh, yeah. That's what we do. You don't want Right.
2: You don't want aluminum because, remember, we just talked about zeolite. It leaches. It helps remove the medicals from the body. When we cook in aluminum, we're putting aluminum into our body because aluminum kind of leaches into the food.
1: And they talk about aluminum not being very good for Alzheimer's as well.
2: And that and the uh, chemicals, again, like artificial sweeteners and all that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to go on diets when I was in earlier years. Right, right. And i drink the diet sodas or whatever. Oh, my Lord.
1: I know. I've learned to drink Perrier and just put a little bit of citrus in it. just to, because, And then I, that's how I got off my Diet Dr. Pepper, because I was just addicted to Diet Dr. Pepper.
2: So here's a substitute for your listeners who are drinking sodas, and now they have to stop. There's a drink called kombucha in the uh, health food stores, and it's a Chinese mushroom, and they kind of blend it with teas. And, again, you want to get one that doesn't have any sugar in it, but, like, there's a company by the name of Synergy that's based in Beverly Hills. He started his whole company because his mother was drinking kombucha when she battled breast cancer, and that was, um, gosh, how many years ago was it? 16 years ago. Exactly. Again, I wouldn't say to somebody, oh, just drink kombucha or, oh, just do hot baths and juices and fasting and that'll heal cancer. It's a complex disease, but needs a complex protocol to heal. But I think the biggest sin that I felt, if we want to use that word, was that we weren't giving people this news. After the treatment's over, you need a detoxification program.
1: Right. And what you're talking about, really, for those of us who want to try and get healthier so that we don't get cancer is to do some of these things now.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. But Live the cancer-free lifestyle before you're ever diagnosed, and then you, don't, you can avoid that one, right? Exactly.
1: We don't have a lot of time, but I want to ask you just one last question because sure. I think you are the best example of this. But can people with an active... Lifestyle. Who are out there working, professional people? They're they're doing many things. They're raising kids. Um, can they continue to be active if they're diagnosed with cancer?
2: If they do the self care equation that's required, which is some of these things we've just talked about, I think the one thing they need is more rest in order to heal during their time of when they actually have cancer in their body. Once the cancer is over then they can build themselves back with, again, like I said, the self-care equation. But I like to say to people, if you don't get that cancer's a timeout and a life review and you slow down just a little bit, then I think you're missing part of the lesson.
1: And and that's exactly right. What you're talking about is what we were talking about earlier is there's a lesson in everything, and the cancer is a teacher, isn't it? It is. It's a teacher that, hey, it's time to rethink, regroup, get your head together, just kind of go within and listen to your body like you're talking about, to really listen to what your body is telling you. And you can't do it if you're running around like a chicken with its head off. No. Yeah.
2: You'll redefine. Your life will be redefined after this experience. And lessons you'll learn, you'll carry with you and share with others for the rest of your life. But you've got to let your life be redefined. You can't say, I've got all the answers. I figured it out. This is the best that there is. Sometimes we don't even know. there's more to come and it's even better than what we thought we had
1: and we have this wonderful book by Carolyn gross called treatable and beatable healing cancer without surgery if you could just give us like maybe a couple sentences to tell us what is the treatable and beatable mind
2: absolutely the treatable and beatable mindset is first of all yes I believe cancer is treatable and beatable this is just a temporary problem and that I am going to have a new approach to life when the cancer is through. And I, every day, am going to mine this experience to find the blessings of cancer. Because you know what? You do get some time off when you have some cancer. And sometimes you never get time off.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> My good friend who is just right now in the midst of it, and, you know, it was funny. I sent, I had read somewhere about having these you know, little stuffed animals that have, like, long legs, so you could put, like, the the leg, the leg, bottom legs under the bottom of the breast and the, and the top le- legs <laughs> over the thigh. Fa- so I got her that for a present, and she was telling me how really that was so healing. But I told her we have to have her read this book. And you can find out more about this book at www.treatableandbeatable.com. Find out a lot more about Carolyn Gross. And you're just terrific, Carolyn. You're a great inspiration, and we're so thrilled that you joined us.
2: Thank you so much, Mari. You are too. It's been an honor.
1: Okay, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Bye-bye. B- bye. bye you
1: have been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI. Also, join us on our website. Visit us. See who our coming up on our as our guests, you'll see their picture, their bio, you can link to their website. And for those uh, wonderful interviews that have been on since 2005, great VIPs, go ahead and look at kuci.org/privacypiracy and there you can click on those archived interviews and you can download podcasts and please write us emails about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Stay private.
2: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.
1: Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI. 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And we are welcoming back... One of my favorite lieutenants, Lieutenant Paul Fuzzard, who is in charge of the Community Services Bureau of the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and he has been with the department for 24 years. Thank you for joining us again.
0: Hi, Mari. Great to be back with you.
1: Well, you know, tell us a little more about each of the programs in your division, because I think most people don't even realize all the volunteers that you're in charge of and all the great things that they do. They, so why don't you start wherever you want?
0: Well, they, they really do a lot of great stuff for us, and I'm responsible for overseeing the 800 volunteers in the Reserve Bureau. We have Explorer Program, our chaplain unit, interns, and our professional service responders. Uh, our reserves are just like regular deputies. They go through the same testing and academy training as a regular paid deputy. Uh, we currently have 225 reserve deputies who work in search and rescue, the coroner's office, harbor division, mounted unit investigations, high tech, and community programs, and our aero squadron. A um, little bit about our aero squadron, they've been around for over 60 years, and uh, they're one of our most active and, and longest-term uh, units in, in the department.
1: Wow. How about telling us about some of the other things, like the explorers and the chaplains and, and some of the other volunteers? Because it um, amazes me now with, you know, all the cutbacks and the economy so bad, but you, still, you have so many wonderful volunteers that are giving so much valuable time.
0: Really do our explorers. Uh, our explorer program. We talked about a little bit about that last week. Are 14 to 21 year old uh, kids, and they're all totally volunteer. They they donate thousands and thousands of hours a year. Uh, we work them in parking control and traffic control at parades and charity 5K runs and numerous department functions. Uh, they train as our color guard and carry the American flag at uh, official sheriff's events. We also use them to pass out flyers when we were looking for lost children or sometimes lost uh, lost adults. <laughs> right. And they're a great resource when we're looking for evidence of a crime scene in like a large field or a large open space. We were able to get 20 or 30 kids and have them walk the field and look for evidence.
1: And, and how about your mounted unit?
0: Uh, our mounted unit, uh, they work parades. We have them uh, work in the Orange County Fair. Uh, They also work in all the county parks during the summer holidays. Uh, They're also great for static displays during school carnivals and other community events. They really represent the department well.
1: And also, you even have a high-tech unit that gives presentations. Why don't you talk about that?
0: Sure. Our high-tech unit, uh, they give uh, presentations on Internet safety to parents of school-age children. They discuss MySpace, Facebook, social networking, uh, discussion groups, uh, chat rooms. And uh, they also talk to parents about securing their wireless connections in their home. Any question uh, the folks have, they can uh, our uh, high-tech unit can usually answer.
1: Well, you guys do such a terrific job. So we're going to send everybody to ocsd.org where they can learn more, and they can find out all the great work that you're doing too, Paul. Thank you so all much.
0: Right. Thank you, Mark. Bye-bye. <laughs>